and welcome to CausePods. I'm your host, Matthew Passy. Here at CausePods, we have one simple mission, to highlight the amazing folks who are using podcasts as a way to raise awareness for good causes and make the world a better place, whether it's in their own local community or they're taking on global issues. Please visit us at causepods.org where you can learn about our guest show, their favorite charitable cause, join our Facebook group with resources for cause-based podcasters, and find a link where you yourself could be a guest here on CausePods. Again, that's all at causepods.org. Well, folks, we are super excited to be back here doing episodes of CausePods, and today especially, right before Election Day, although really it's been like election six weeks, eight weeks, however long it's felt, and I could not think of a better show to highlight and focus here on CausePods the day before the official election day. We are chatting with Nancy Bynum. She's the host and creator of New Faces of Democracy. This is a show that is showing all the inspiring work that is happening to help transform our political landscape in positive ways all across the nation. And before I welcome Nancy, I do want to disclose to everybody listening that Nancy is in fact a client of mine. I have the privilege and pleasure of working on the show and helped her launch it. So if I am sending a little extra fawning today, that is why. Nancy, thank you so much for jumping here on CauseBots today. Ah, thank you for having me, Matthew. It's so exciting to be on the other side of the interview. Probably, yeah, this is probably the first time you're actually guesting on a podcast, isn't yes, it? Yes, I like it. It's kind of relaxing. So you decided that after the results of 2016 and after seeing what sort of disarray our politics is falling into, that you needed to do something about all this. So take us back a little bit and tell us why you launched the new phases of democracy, the overall project, and we'll talk about the podcast specifically. Uh, well, after 2016, like you said, I felt highly motivated. After being highly depressed, I got highly motivated to do something. I was at a point in my life where I'm a lawyer, but I hadn't been practicing for a while. And I have three kids. And my kids had reached an age at that point where I was ready to sort of really re-engage um, in the workspace. I had taken some time off. And I decided, you know what? This is what I'm going to do. I'm going to fight Trump for four years. <laughs> And he's given me so much opportunity to do so. It's been fantastic. I first started a Facebook group that was sort of an action step group. And I did that literally in maybe December of 2016. And it's a quote, secret group, but it was intended to give people something to work on every day. Because at that point, four years felt like a really long time. And when we look back, it feels like 40 years, right? So it's been a long time slog. So in the process of coming up with these action steps every day, I started learning about all these people and groups that were sort of cropping up out of the woodwork that were doing remarkable work. I mean, first there was Indivisible, which was a group that started chapters nationwide that helped kind of gave a blueprint for fighting in Congress, reaching out to your members of Congress. This is something that many of us hadn't done before. Every, you know, staying on top of every new bill and nomination and and general undermining of our institutions that started right off in the beginning. But as I continued to do that, and we kept calling our congressmen and our senators, and I started to think that it would be a really cool project just to profile all these people running for office for the first time, starting organizations, you know, doing just really interesting work, helping people find their political voices for the first time. 
And so you start with the Facebook group. You are also posting videos. What made you think that the podcast specifically, this medium, this platform was a good way to get the message out? I came to podcasting late. I started with videos, as you mentioned, and I started New Faces of Democracy in 2018. And I did a lot of videos of people running for in, in the midterms, running for office for the first time. I profiled people in the fashion industry doing work related to expressing your political views in a fashionable way. I did groups. And it was very slow. Videos are slow. They take a long time to do. It's, you know, it took months for me to get basically four minutes of video out. And then what I've discovered is people are not that interested in watching videos anymore. It requires all their faculties and people are want to multitask these days. And I realized from just my listening habits. The podcasts really fit well into my life. You could listen to them while driving. You could listen to them while running, while gardening, while taking your dogs for a walk or getting ready in the morning. Waiting online to vote. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Whatever the case may be. Well, you and I started talking this year in February because I was finally like, I think I'm ready to change directions. And then the pandemic hit. And that was like, boom, here we go. <laughs> no more. T- I can't do any more videos. It's not even an option. Fortunately, I was somewhat teed up by you to get it done pretty quickly. And so I was able to release my first podcast in May. You know, I like to say that, I mean, it's, you know, we're living in a scary, very difficult time, but I try to look for the silver linings in everything I do. And the silver lining, one of them in the pandemic has been podcasting. It's just been a really incredible way for me to stay in touch and meet these remarkable people. They're so much faster to make. They're easier to make than videos. And I really, really enjoy the conversations. Uh, For me, it's kind of been a bright light in this dark time. I'm not trying to make this commercial for myself in any way, shape, or form. So what I don't want to do is write like, a lot of the difficulties that folks have with podcasting, we we have handled a lot of that for you and you know the editing and the producing. But right before we started this call, you talked about that doing this podcast is still a slog, right? It is exhausting mentally, physically. It is time consuming. And so I'm just curious for somebody else who might be thinking about using this platform, whether they have the kind of help that we provide or you know they're doing it totally on their own. What are some of the things that you wish you had known earlier or things that you would do differently if you were launching something new today? I just want to thank you because you've made it so easy. And I know you don't want this to be a promo, but I got to do a little shout out to you because you have made it very easily easy and very seamless. The only reason I called it a slog is because I'm a one woman show other than you. I mean, thank God for you. Otherwise, I'm not a techie person. I could not get these online myself and you turn things around really fast. I think having support is really important. It is very hard to turn around a show, a podcast episode once every week by yourself because you have to do – there's a lot of stuff that goes on in the background. You have to be very rigorous in your time management because you have to reach out to get your new podcast. That takes a certain amount of time in and of itself. You have to research who you want. Then you have to do – you know, do the emails and you have to have, you know, sort of some of them need more courting than others. They want more 
information on your podcast. Some say yes right away, which is great. And there's social media. Social media is very time consuming. That's something that I do have someone helping me and that makes a huge difference. And then there's the editing of the podcast and the creating of what are called waves, which are these little little snippets of the podcast you can post on social media. So every one of these aspects takes time. And of course, I left out preparing for the podcast. I research very thoroughly before I do them. I work very hard on my questions. So that is the most time-consuming thing I do. So I would say I don't really have a perfect answer for that yet. I'm looking for the perfect answer, but definitely having some backup somewhere is really important. Even admittedly, even myself with cause pods, I'm even starting to bring on additional help to make this process a little bit more seamless. Because like you said, it's not just turn on the microphone, record, and then if you have someone to edit, edit and then post it right. There is for many podcasters, you know, 20% of what goes into making a podcast successful is the actual recording. And right the the dealing with the audio everything else is all the preparation all the promotion all the publishing everything else that it goes into it and so it's a really important aspect if you want to get that story out there and get people to listen i am surprised though when you talk about coaxing people right like you were talking to politicians and organizations and folks who are looking for larger audiences right looking for more people to hear what they have to say and i'm surprised that you say that it takes a lot of coaxing, that most of them wouldn't just jump at the opportunity. It doesn't take coaxing for everybody, but it takes coaxing for some people. You know, sometimes I aim really high, my guests. I mean, I had Ravi Gupta on a few weeks ago, and he was an Obama alum who worked for David Axelrod in the first campaign and then was Susan Rice's speechwriter. I mean, he's got his own huge podcast of his own called Majority 54. He's a superstar. If you go into social media, you see like Hillary Clinton, you know, made a birthday video for him. Oddly enough, he said yes to me right away. The people who need a little more coaxing are people who are like, wait, what is it? Why? You know, you have to have a conversation. Why would I do this? How is this going to help me? So they need to understand it. I would say the politicians tend to be, candidates tend to be the easiest to get on, but they tend to be sometimes the hardest to get to really get off the stump speech. Many, many people have said to me, yes, boom, yes, right off the bat. But still, it requires you researching them, finding them, sending them that well-crafted email that describes what your group does, giving them confidence that you are going to do a quality job and represent them in the best possible light. So, you know, even even for the easy ones, there's work. I wonder... With some of the folks that you have spoken to, some of the organizations, and even you personally, what has been the consequence sounds negative, but right, like what has been the outcome of doing all this? Has anybody reported back that, oh, we saw an uptick in donations or, oh, we saw an uptick in interest or, you know, having this podcast, has it helped to open doors for you to either other guests or other things that you want to do? Well, absolutely. It's helped me. First of all, I've made this whole <laughs> this whole group of friends, which is so interesting, or, or colleagues, I guess is the better word, people who are, many of these people are like me, and they're very activated. We have a lot in common in terms of the values we're fighting for. Even though I'm only meeting them virtually, I feel like they're my friends at this point. And we stay in touch, and they reach out, and they they suggest other people for my podcast. And that's one insider tip is it is always better to get an intro to a guest versus a cold email or cold 
call or whatever cold tweet. It is really great to have a personal introduction like anything in life. Those are my most valued resources and connections or my former podcast guests. And in terms of results, it's hard to quantify. It's hard to, sometimes it's really obvious. Sometimes someone will make a comment on my social media like, I just donated. Thank you so much for letting me know about this group. You know, that's the gold standard. You don't often get those, but I will get a lot of people often who will reach out to me privately or who will comment in some form or fashion saying, thank you so much. This was so informative. The other way I can see the reach is when I go into the Ink to Captivate, which is the platform you use for the podcast, I can look at the analytics and see where people are listening. For instance, I did an episode about sheriffs and the power of sheriffs in America still today, which for me was kind of flabbergasting. They're sort of unchecked and extremely powerful law enforcement officers in many parts of the country. They run all our jails, et cetera. And the person I interviewed for that, definitely, I could see how much he shared it with his network because suddenly I was getting all these listens in Louisiana and Kentucky. And generally, my listeners are coastal, let's say. (laughs) There I can see at least where people are, are hearing about it. I don't know what actions they take afterwards, but at least they're learning about it. That is very, very cool. So like we said, we are talking to you. We're talking about a week before Election Day. Obviously, we you know encourage everybody to have gotten their vote in early or to have had a plan to vote. If you're hearing this on Monday, the day before the election, and you haven't voted yet, go figure it out or go get in line now for tomorrow. But we are also... You know, we're just coming off the official confirmation of Amy Coney Barrett to the Supreme Court. And before we start talking, you had made a little bit of mention of how you think the change to the court and what has been happening for women's rights and reproductive rights could be, you know, play a crucial role in your next season. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Well, not my next season, my next episode, actually. The episode that will be up when this airs is with a woman named Marsha Greenberger. Now, she is not a, quote, new face of democracy. And Ravi Gupta isn't a new face either. But I don't draw the line at people who just joined the fray in 2016. And when you can get people with really interesting backgrounds and experiences, got to grab them. But Marsha um, was the founder of the National Women's Law Center in Washington, D.C. And she was the very first full-time lawyer focused on women's law, women's rights law in the 70s at the time of Gloria Steinem and Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Bella Abzug. And if you watched Mrs. America, it was like right during that time. And she has some really interesting things to say about, first of all, the legacy of Ruth Bader Ginsburg, which I feel like the way the Senate rammed this confirmation down our throats It really didn't give us the proper time to really kind of grieve and celebrate Ruth Bader Ginsburg and all she did for women today and make people truly aware of that. And much of it is so sadly going to be dismantled, most likely, by this new super conservative Supreme Court. We do address that in the podcast, and Marsha talks about ways that we can still work to advance women's rights 
because they still need to be advanced. They're not done, not even close. And to protect the rights we have already in the face of a hostile Supreme Court. So, and the myriad ways we can do that and we still have power in our hands. And the fact is women are now a very powerful voting bloc, very vocal. One silver lining of Trump is he has gotten women off their butts and we are out there calling our senators, marching in the streets and voting, voting, voting. I just had my, I have a also a political action group. I started a real life one um, after 2016 that we called Roar, like I am woman, hear me roar. And this is just six friends. And one of them sent out an uh, Instagram last night that was like, I miss the days of just going to meet a friend for coffee and talking about like what bar class we had just done. And, and those are cute leggings. Like we're, we can never go back to that. We are so activated now. That is awesome. That is so great. And very cool that you were able to start your own political action committee. I imagine the paperwork and the- No, no, not the... committee. Sorry. Just a group of friends. Okay. Okay. <laughs> and just we try. sort right. of keep each other motivated and we come up with ideas and we, one of them and I are going to go to Pennsylvania next week. And well, actually it'll be tomorrow when this podcast airs to work at the polls. So it's just a group of friends who motivated and scared and find a lot of comfort in each other's company. Taking, you know, the best thing you can do is take some sort of action, right? We can wallow. In fact, I even remember the day after the election as people were, you know, whining and crying and complaining and, and dreading the results. I remember the first that my first thought was great. That happened. Let's do something like let's fight for it. And a lot of people chastised me. They said, Give me a minute to grieve. I said, all right, that's fair. But maybe we should have started even sooner. You know, speaking of the Supreme Court, we talked to all of our hosts about charities and foundations they want to support. You bring up the Brennan Center for, for Justice, reference to the former Justice Brennan. Real quickly, why is this such an important charity to you that we can support? And by the way, for those listening, if you do want to donate and support the Brennan Center for Justice, we will have a link in the show notes as well as at causepods.org. So you can help them basically do what we can to strengthen our democracy. Yeah, the reason I said the Brennan Center is that, first of all, this is, I, I can think when you asked me about a group, I mean, I could list probably 30 um, without blinking an eye that are so valid and worthy. But the reason why I love the Brennan Center is, first of all, it's affiliated with NYU Law School in New York University. And it has some of the most brilliant legal minds involved in their work. So if you want your money to go to something really high quality, that's a great place to put it. And basically, they fight to they fight for our democratic values. Um, they have different areas, um, subject areas that they focus on, but some are related to elections. They are involved in ending mass incarceration and generally just preserving our democratic liberties. So no matter what happens with this election, we all know now that that is something we cannot take for granted. We have a lot of work we have to get done, no matter who wins. So, you know, bringing it back once again, you were, right, you wanted to fight, you wanted to do something, you wanted to take action, you wanted to make the world a better place, right? You launched this podcast specifically for your cause. Somebody listening, somebody who has that same feeling, right, that same desire to make a positive impact and thinks that this medium, this specific form of content delivery would be ineffective, what would be your advice to them to get started or to keep going 
so that they can be successful in their, you know, cause-based podcast? Well, first of all, just get started. I think it's one of those things you just have to jump into. If you're hesitating, and I certainly was nervous, how many people have already done podcasts? Not a lot. Usually you're someone is starting for the first time. And, you know, it's easy to get intimidated. It's easy to feel like, oh, nobody's going to listen. My theory is if you reach 10 people and those 10 people are your tribe and you those 10 people mention it to friends of theirs, then that is a win. Hopefully you reach a lot more than 10 people. Hope you reach, hopefully you reach hundreds of people. But it does... It takes a while and there's a learning curve involved in it, but just stick with it because I feel like the results are very powerful. You know, much of what has been so beneficial to me in this podcast is not just spreading the word on these groups, and that is my main and primary reason for doing it. But for me, it's been a form of therapy. And I absolutely love getting to meet my podcast guests. So if you're working in an area you care about, having to get a conversation with people that are knowledgeable, involved, inspirational in that area, I mean, that's, (laughs) that's just, you know, a really, really special experience that um, I I think anyone would benefit from. But but just get yourself out there, do it, learn, don't worry about your mistakes, edit, 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 <laughs> and work with Matthew because he's awesome. Uh, we I appreciate you saying that, but but right, the piece that I love about all of this is don't wait, get started today, right? The sooner you start doing it, the sooner you can learn from what you're doing and get better at what you're doing and tweak and improve. And also I love the fact that not, Every podcast has to be a million dollar success that you can find joy and comfort and even success in the connections you're making. Sometimes the audience isn't even the listener. Sometimes the audience is the people you get to meet while you're doing this. So I think that's just a great positive attitude and and way to look at it. The show is the new faces of democracy. You can check it out at new faces of democracy. Org. We will have a link, of course, to the show directly in the show notes and at the website at causepods.org. And while you're there, please consider donating to the Brennan Center for Justice. Again, a link will be there for you to check out. Nancy, it has been a delight and a pleasure working with you and fighting for your cause. And it has been an even bigger joy to have you here on Cause Pause today. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Matthew. This was really fun. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cause Pods. If you've been inspired by the work of our guest, please check out the show notes to this episode in your podcasting app or at causepods.org. There you will find links to their show, their website, their podcast links on Apple, Google, Spotify, as well as a link to support the charity that they highlighted here in this episode. You will also find at causepods.org a way to subscribe to this show on your favorite podcasting app, how to sign up to be a guest on this show, and a link to our Facebook group, which is going to have special resources just for the folks who are podcasting for a good cause. And I can tell you right now, we've got one great deal from our friends at PodPage, but you're only going to learn about it and get that special deal if you are a member of the Facebook group for Cause Pods. And before I go, I should say thank you in particular. The show is edited and produced by Ben Kiloy of the Military Veteran Dads Podcast, and what a great job he has done. And all this is made possible because of the great support that I receive from Shannon Rojas here at thepodcastconsultant.com. Once again, if you want to learn more, go to causepods.org. Thank you so much. And we will see you next time on Cause Pods. Mm-hmm.